For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Listening to the Believe in Minnesota Football Podcast, hosted by Tony Liebert, presented by the Believe Podcast Networks. Welcome in. First official episode of the Believe in Minnesota Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Liebert, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Liebert. For today's episode, I will be riding solo. Uh, You can expect more guests and interviews throughout the season, but for episode one, I thought it would just be me. Um, For today, we'll be doing a full season preview of the entire 2021 season for Golden Gophers football. Um, I'll go through some possible season-long storylines. I'll share my thoughts and expectations kind of on a game-by-game basis, what we might see. And I might even throw out some possible names that I've been seeing perform well in camp and could uh, have possible breakout seasons. Uh, Lastly, I'll close the show with any information that I'm hearing on Chris Ottman-Bell's injury as we inch closer to the September 2nd opener with Ohio State. All right, we will begin the show with uh, some possible storylines that could be themes throughout the year, and I feel like are uh, big hitting points throughout the offseason that everyone has been talking about. Um, I, th- I think the biggest um, storyline heading into this season is if Tanner Morgan can find his uh, form that he had in 2019. Um, I believe the easiest way to have long-term success in college football is one, consistent quarterback play, and two, consistent high-level coaching. Um, if you look at the top programs in the country, obviously the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Oklahomas, the Ohio States, they've had high-level coaching, obviously, year over year. But their quarterback play stays consistent. For example, Ohio State, they go from uh, even way back, Terrell Pryor, Braxton Miller, JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, Dwayne Haskins, uh, last obviously Justin Fields. And now they have uh, C.J. Stroud, who I think is going to carry their torch in elite quarterback play. Um. For quarterbacks that, or for programs that are building up, for example, like Clemson, when they kind of had their coming out party, obviously with Dabo and Tosh Boyd, Tosh Boyd was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And since then, they've had, obviously, Deshaun Watson, uh, Kelly Bryant, uh, and Trevor Lawrence, and now they have DJ Uyunglele. Uh So for the Gophers, obviously... If Tanner Morgan can find even 80% of what he had in 2019, I feel like his supporting cast around him is almost as good, if not better, than that season, me personally, on the defensive side and the offensive side. So if he can just play consistently, I feel like this team's ceiling is a, a contender in the Big Ten West 
to win the title and go to the Big Ten championship game. Um, because after 2019, after we won the Out- Outback Bowl versus Auburn, uh, Tanner Morgan was technically eligible for the NFL draft. He was a redshirt sophomore after that season, so he was three years removed from high school. Um, he had serious NFL draft hype. I believe if he left, he would have been drafted in the, not high, but maybe like the fifth or sixth round. And obviously now after this season, I don't think, I think it would have been a struggle to even make an NFL roster for him. So if he can have another high level season like that, which he's shown the capability to do, I feel like under an, another year with Mike Sanford as their offensive coordinator, he's going to have more familiarity with the system that he wants to run. Sanford's going to have familiar, be familiar with what Morgan wants to run and what the both of them are going to be comfortable with each other. I feel like going into this year, we're going to at least see an improved Morgan, but I feel the ceiling of this team is how improved are we going to see? If he reaches that 2019 level, I feel like there is very few teams this year in the Big Ten that the Gophers could not compete with if he reaches that level. But if he struggles with accuracy and decision-making like he did last season and consistency, I feel like the ceiling for this team drops significantly. Uh, Obviously, the defense and uh, pass catchers have an impact on this team's success. But I feel like the number one driving force is our quarterback play. And is it, is it consistent? And will Tanner Morgan reach his 2019 form? Uh, the next biggest talking point that I feel like has been hit home a lot this offseason has uh, kind of been the wide receiver room. Obviously, the last two years, uh, Gophers have lost two top-level wide receivers to the NFL with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. And that, that the wide receiver room's kind of been P.J. Fleck's calling card throughout his career at Western Michigan with Corey Davis and now here with two guys off to the NFL. Um, so I feel like it's pretty well known that Chris Ottman-Bell will step into a pretty significant role as likely the number one option for Tanner Morgan in the passing game. But... Behind that, it's been a big discussion of who will step up. Um, from what I, I've been fortunate enough to go to a few practices uh, in spring camp and now fall camp, and I uh, watch the spring game like many people, and I feel like uh, Daniel Jackson has the uh, leg up for the number two role as uh, outside wide receiver, but uh, recently... Uh, Dylan Wright, the transfer from Texas A&M, has been playing much better. He has the uh, talent level and the skills and the athletic profile to be a high-level wide receiver, and even an NFL-level wide receiver. Uh, I've uh, seen uh, it's taken him a while to get going in camp and in the system, which is fair. It's a big difference from growing up in the South your whole life and then moving to Minnesota, transferring from Texas A&M. But once he gets into the Gopher system, he buys all the way into the the row-the-boat culture, I feel like he will have the chance to step into the number two role because he has all the skills. You watch him at practice, he looks like he should just be a high-level wide receiver. He's got the build. He just he just looks confident while he's playing. But that's not to put away from Daniel Jackson, who has looked great during camp, great during the spring game. Uh, I, I feel like he can step up and be that consistent option from the number two wide receiver spot. Um, behind them, I feel like the only two other significant contributors from the wide receiver position will be uh, Mike Brown-Stevens and uh, Clay Geary. And uh, I'm always fascinated by how much uh, looks Mike Brown-Stevens gets in camp and at the spring game because it seems like uh, Tanner Morgan loves to target him. He always gets open. Uh, He's struggled, obviously, with catches here and there, but he's 
that or kind of that gadget option that football has kind of moved to. You can line him up wide, line him up in the inside, even outside the backfield and give him a handoff. So I feel like he's definitely going to still have a role in this offense. But uh, if I had to guess, I think as the season starts, the targets, because uh, you, you never know what the depth chart's looking like. It's kind of like who's going to get the most targets and looks in the game. I feel like it's going to go Chris Ottman-Bell, Daniel Jackson, Dylan Wright. And I feel like throughout the season, Dylan Wright can and should have the opportunity to move up into that number two, maybe even be a 1A, 1B behind Chris Ottman-Bell. Uh, I feel like Mike Brown-Stevens is going to have a pretty not significant role, but he had uh, 40-some catches last year. I feel like he'll have the same again this year. And uh, I feel like he's going to have another role. And Clay Geary, obviously, is that veteran uh, presence. He's one of only two seniors in the wide receiver room. So I feel like he's going to get snaps every game and be able to show his worth to the coaches. And who knows, maybe if uh, Dylan Wright struggles right away, switching to the Big Ten and with the Gophers, Clay Geary could maybe step into that consistent wide receiver three role on the outside. Um, another storyline that I find interesting heading into this season is how good Mo Ibrahim actually is. Uh, there's a lot of, I personally uh, believe he, heading into this year, is the second best running back in college football. Uh, I believe that Brees Hall from, Ohio, from Iowa State has proved to be a high, high-level running back. And I think you can personally argue either way, but I would lean Brees Hall more than Mo. Um, but there's a lot of outlets that have even left him outside their top 10, uh, like PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, a website that I like to look at. And you kind of have to take everything they do with a grain of salt um, because they base it so much on their game by game, play by play grading that it, it's kind of hard to determine how valuable a running back is based on that. But um I like what is Mo Ibrahim's ceiling heading into this year? Um, if he left to go pro, I think he probably would have been in the fifth to sixth round range uh, in the draft. And I think that's kind of based on his uh, passing work. So outside of camp and the spring game, there's been a lot of talk that he's been improving his hands and improving in. Uh, his route running to have a bigger role in the passing game. Last season, he only had eight receptions. The year before, he had three, and the year before that, he had four. So he's had only fifteen receptions in his entire his three year college career. So I feel like, honestly, his ceiling is a twelve hundred yard uh, season rusher and eight to ten touchdowns, or his floor, I should say, but. His ceiling is the passing work because in recent years, if you go to top running backs like Najee Harris from Alabama, he had six catches and four catches in his first two years, and then he went to 27 catches as a junior and 43 catches last year as a senior, and that kind of raised his profile from being in that third to fourth round range in the NFL draft all the way up to the end of the first round. And I hate to bring it up, but a guy like Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, he had eight catches in each of his first two seasons, and then he went up to 26 as a junior. And I feel like that kind of proved the uh, doubters he had at the NFL level that he couldn't do uh, be productive in the receiving game. Th those pro that proved those doubters wrong. So for Mo, if he can get into at least that 25 reception. Um, range, I feel like that's going to prove a lot of the doubters that he has at a national level wrong, and it's going to prove that he can be effective outside of just the rushing game, because he's an elite option out of the backfield, uh, or in the backfield as a rusher, and he's an elite pass-blocking option. He's an all-around running back in that aspect, but you can't say that he's a great receiving back when he hasn't shown it consistently in games. I feel like he has the athletic profile, the work ethic, and everything 
to be more productive in the receiving game, but that's going to hurt his profile on a national scale and on uh, when it comes to getting drafted in the NFL. Because in the NFL now, obviously, uh, and in college, people are trying to discredit the running back and say that uh, it's more impactful to have a high-level offensive line. And uh, the running back more just kind of needs to run through the holes. Like, he's not doing anything special. I I'm, I don't believe that as much as some other people, but that's what a lot of people on the national scale are saying. Um, I think if Mo is able to get to that 25 reception range, that'll prove a lot of doubters wrong. He's running behind what I believe to be at least a top 10 offensive line in the country, maybe even top five. So if he can... Get the receiving work up. I feel like he'll be in the conversation for the Dope Walker Award, best running back in the country. And if the uh, Gophers can build their team success, there's no reason why he can't be a dark horse in the Heisman race. Obviously, the Heisman is a little more determined based on your team's success because I I don't know the exact numbers, but I, I feel like there hasn't been a Heisman winner that's won less than eight or nine games in my lifetime. So... I'll be interested to see how much more work Mo Ibrahim gets in the receiving game. And that'll completely, it could completely change his outlook on a national scale. Uh, Lastly, I feel like another big storyline that has been talked about a lot ever since the 2020 season ended, all the way up until right now, heading into the 2021 season, is if the defense can take a step forward. Last season, P.J. Fleck obviously was preaching the whole year how they're young, inexperienced, and they just need more time. So he went out in the transfer portal and brought in three grad transfer seniors. With On the defensive line in the interior, he brought in Niles Pinckney, defensive tackle from Clemson, and Val Martin, defensive tackle from NC State. I think both those guys will have big roles on the defensive line in the interior kind of as a uh, four-way rotation with D'Angelo Carter and Micah Du Treadway as well. Um, I feel like Jack Gibbons from Abilene Christian will add much-needed uh, experience at, at the linebacker position as now he becomes the only upperclassman not named Mariano Sorimarin. Um as a whole, I believe uh, the unit will take a step forward. Uh, I feel like they, they got talent top to bottom. I, the defensive line will be the strength uh, with the interior interior, like I spoke about. And then on the edge, I think Boye Mafe can take a huge step forward and be an elite option uh, from the de- uh, defensive end position. Uh, Asezi Otomiwo, I think, can have also a big year from the outside, and I think Thomas Rush will be in the rotation as well and will have a big role. Uh, the defensive line as a whole, I think it's talented top to bottom. Um, the linebacker position obviously was probably the biggest um, question mark on the team last year. And uh, bringing in Jack Gibbons, another experienced body, I think will be big. Moriano, sorry, Marwin, Marin will have another year of an ex- experience to... Um, improve. Uh, Cody Lindenberg, another year of experience to improve. And I think Braylon Oliver and James Gordon uh, could all take a step forward. I feel like it's still uh, fairly early in the process to know exactly who they're going to roll out. I think uh, Jack Gibbons and Sori Marin are the two uh, players with the most defined role. I can't imagine either one of them will... uh, not see the field often early in the season. As for the other three uh, sophomores, Oliver, Gordon, and Lindenberg, I feel like they're all kind of competing for that third spot or second spot as the season progresses. So that's obviously an interesting thing to watch as the season goes on, but there's definitely more talent and experience at that position this year than there was last year. Um, I, the, as for the secondary, I think there's a solid amount of question marks, uh, from the top to bottom. 
Uh, Coney Durr will obviously be the uh, number one cornerback option on the outside for this team, and I I think he has the talent to handle that. Um, a guy that's impressed me a lot throughout this offseason is true freshman Justin Wally. Um, I don't know how big his role will be early in the season, but I think he has the talent to carve out a role on this team pretty quickly into his Gophers career. Um, as for the uh, safeties, Tyler Newbin is also another player that has stood out a lot to me during camp, and um, I feel like he can have he obviously had a role on this team last year, but I think he can step into being one of the leaders in the secondary, and he can kind of uh, lead this defense to the next step. Uh, as for the unit as a whole, I think if they even play twice as good as they did last year, they just need improvement. Uh, they have playmakers on the defense. They just need consistency. If if we If the Gophers can find that consistency on the defensive side of the ball, it will open. It will make the offense's job so much easier because, like everyone knows, we they have a very experienced offensive line. Um, they're going to focus on the running game, and when your offense isn't on the field or your defense uh, isn't on the field as longer, it's easier to find flow with that offense because when you focus so much on, there's going to be a lot of three and outs uh, for this team, unfortunately. Hopefully there's uh, less than there was last year. But uh, when you focus so much on running the ball, uh, you kind of have to get that rhythm. And when your defense is consistent, consistently getting stops for you, that's the best thing for an offense. So uh, I, this defense doesn't have to be all-world uh, best defense in the Big Ten. I, I honestly don't know if they have that in them. But they have the talent to be consistent, to be a winning defense. That's kind of all they need to have. So I believe they're going to take a step forward, but the question is just how far of a step forward will they take? All right, we'll now be moving on to a season-long uh, schedule preview. I'll kind of give my thought, my quick thoughts on each game the Gophers have throughout the season. Um, so obviously they open the season up on September 2nd, hosting Ohio State at Huntington Bank Stadium. Um, closer to the game, I'll have a full preview show breaking down just that matchup against Ohio State. But uh, I'll give my uh, quick thoughts on the matchup. Um, Ohio State will obviously, they will, this year will be known for their passing attack. They by far have the best wide receiver duo in the country with two legit first-round talent uh, receivers with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. The question is, obviously, that now Justin Fields has moved on to the NFL and the Chicago Bears. Can redshirt freshman C.J. Stroud take over that spot from the quarterback position? Um, with Quinn Ewers, uh, the top recruit in the 2022 class, deciding to enroll in Ohio State early, there was obviously some rumblings that he's going to uh, compete for the starting job, which I think is just a bit ridiculous. Uh, he's obviously an uberly talented player, but even Trevor Lawrence, Spencer Rattler, all these top quarterbacks did not play in their first game as a true freshman. And it, like he's 17, 18 years old. He's going to be a great college player, but this year is a bit of a stretch for him to have really any role at all on this team. But so as for C.J. Stroud, he is definitely uh, a talent not to forget. Uh, he was a four-star uh, prospect in 2019, and he won the 2019 Elite 11 uh, camp. The Elite 11 is the uh, is a camp with the top 11 quarterbacks in the country. Uh, they compete in uh, kind of like a seven-on-seven uh, competition-based thing, and uh, C.J. Stroud won. Other uh, Justin Fields won when he was a senior in high school. A lot Andrew Luck won. A lot of top guys have won this competition and went on to be high, high-level quarterbacks. And I think C.J. Stroud has the talent to be another high-level quarterback. And like I said earlier, I think quarterback play is so significant in year-over-year uh, -year success when it comes to college football programs. So if C.J. Stroud 
is able to take that step forward, which I think he will fill into the Justin Fields role, Ohio State's going to be Ohio State again. But obviously, first game of the year in Huntington Bank Stadium, first game with fans back, uh, it's tough for any quarterback to make his first start of his college football career in that environment. So I I think he has the talent to uh, lead Ohio State to continue being Ohio State, but there's no uh, telling how he's going to react to the environment in his first game of the year. As for the rest of the team, they're still going to have a, a Ohio State running back with Master Teague coming back, true junior. Um, they're going to have an elite pass rushing option, like Ohio State always does with Zach Harrison. So I, I think the Gophers have every chance to make this game competitive. Uh, they, they match up decently well against this team. I think it's going to come down to the secondary play. Ohio State's going to try to pass the ball um, with their receivers, with their young quarterback. And if Coney Durr, Philip Howard, uh, Justin Wally, Tyler Newbin, if they're able to step up and be productive from the defensive secondary, the Gophers should stay in this game. If they're not, it's going to be really hard to, uh, to score with Ohio State. Uh, the Gophers' offense has the talent and everything to uh, be in a shootout, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do that so early in the season. Um, so it's going to come down to the passing attack. Will Ohio State's quarterback show up and be an Ohio State quarterback? And will the Gophers' defense play like they did in the secondary last year where they ranked 35th out of 128 teams in passing yards allowed? I think they just need to play at that level. They were pretty good from the secondary last year. If they're able to do that, this will be a competitive game. As for week two, uh, the Gophers will be hosting Miami of Ohio out of the MAC conference. Last season, Miami of Ohio went two and one in the shortened uh, MAC conference uh, season due to COVID. Uh, the year before, they won the conference. And they still have the same quarterback they did that season. Uh, it will now be a redshirt sophomore QB, Brett Gabbard, the brother of former first-round pick Blaine. Um, after starting 14 games as a freshman, Gabbard uh, had an injury-riddled year last year. But as a freshman, he was named MAC Freshman of the Year, leading the Red Hawks to a MAC Conference Championship. Um I feel like uh, Miami of Ohio will be one of the better teams in the MAC conference this year. Obviously, the talent gap between the MAC and the Big Ten and where the Gophers at now are a huge difference. But Miami of Ohio's head coach Chuck Martin has developed them into a consistent group of five uh, football team. So this is certainly not a. Uh, I think it's not going to be an absolute, like, no-doubt blowout. I think Miami, Ohio will stick with the Gophers early, and it all depends on the second half how they come out. If they come out well, I think this will be a 30-point game. But if they come out slowly, uh, Miami of Ohio is the type of team that can stick around. And, I like, at the end of the day, I don't think the Gophers are going to have any trouble with them. But this is the type of game, if they blow them out by 40 points, that that, that counts as a win. If they blow them out by 10, that almost feels like you didn't win the game. Because you were supposed to blow them out. There's a huge talent disparity. But, so this will be an interesting test for the Gophers coming out after such a big game against Ohio State. Uh, Minnesota then, in week three, will travel to uh, Boulder, Colorado to take on the Buffaloes. Um, in 2020, Colorado went 4-2 and two and lost in the Alamo Bowl to Texas. Um, personally, uh, I believe that Colorado is not going to be a very good football team this, this season. Um, they will have, they're kind of having a three-way battle between freshman quarterbacks, uh, that really have had zero experience at the division one level to be their starting signal caller this season. I think that kind of should tell you enough about this team. They do have, uh, the 
co-Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year from last year in the backfield with Jarek Broussard. He was a great running back last year, averaging 160 yards from scrimmage in each of the six games. But again, it was only six games. And I feel like Colorado kind of, uh, they lucked out when it came to uh, scheduling. They had a game with San Diego State. Um, when they played uh, top-level competition, they struggled. Uh, this will be head coach Carl Dorrell's second season as head coach after Mel Tucker resigned and went to the uh, went to Michigan State last season. So this will kind of be his first full test. And I feel like uh, there's just a big talent disparity. I don't think Colorado has the talent to match up with the Gophers. Obviously, it's going to be on the road. Uh, Boulder's always a pretty tough environment to play. They have a great fan base. So obviously this is no game to overlook, similar to Miami of Ohio. But personally, I might even say that Miami of Ohio will be a tougher game than Colorado. That That's based on just team by team. Obviously going on the road to Colorado will make a big difference. But I, I expect Colorado to be one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 this season. So this is another game that will be a great test, depending how the Gophers start out in the first two weeks of the season, to see where they where they uh, line up and where they uh, sit heading into the real home stretch of the season. Um, in week four, the Gophers will be heading back to the Twin Cities to take on Bowling Green at Huntington Bank Stadium out of the MAC Conference. Plain and simple, Bowling Green is by far the wor- worst opponent that the Gophers will play this year. Um, Bowling Green will be in the discussion for the single worst team in FBS college football. They just are terrible. Last season, they finished uh, second to last in the entire country in scoring, averaging just 11.4 points per game. They gave up 476 yards per game, which ranks 117th in the FBS, um, and 45 points per game, which is second to last with only Kansas allowing more. I, I could I could keep going, but the Gophers need to win this game by at least 45 points, plain and simple. If they don't, we're going to have problems. Uh, Minnesota kicks off the full-on Big Ten conference schedule part of their season in Week 5 when they travel to Purdue um, following a very interesting game last season that they had with the Boilermakers at home. Um, if you remember... Uh, Purdue was flagged for a very controversial uh, pass interference call in the end zone at the end of the game. It was a tied ball game, or uh, no, the excuse me, the uh, Gophers were up by three, and then um, Purdue threw an interception the next play and it sealed the game. So uh, now heading into this year, Purdue is without their exciting wide receiver Rondell Moore, who's off to the NFL, uh, got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but they still bring back one of the best receivers in the conference at, with uh, junior David Bell. Last season, against the Gophers, he caught eight balls for 104 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so Purdue will still, they're not the rollover team that the Big Ten has grown to know. Since Jeff Brom took over a few years ago, he has made, made Purdue into at least a competent program. Um as for the quarterback position, um, Aiden O'Connell and Jack Plummer split time last year uh, as each person started three games. Uh, th- they will likely have another tight competition at the position this year. Um, so Purdue's strength, again, will be their passing game. Uh, they have a very, they obviously return their number two wide receiver with David Bell. And they still have the same quarterback. And Jeff Brom has proven to be a good play caller from that position, or from the head coach position. Um, as for the whole team, 14 total starters return. So this is definitely a game that I believe the Gophers will hopefully be favored to win. Um, it's not a game to look past, though. Uh, this is Scream's trap game to me in West Lafayette. It'll probably be an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Saturday morning, and uh, depending how they start the year, let's say they start the year uh, three and one. They had a tight game against Ohio State. They're going to be super confident. This screams a, a trap game for me personally. 
So, uh, Jeff Rom, like I said, proven to be a good head coach. He has Purdue in a position to be a competitive football program. So, this will be a great test for the Gophers as they kick off the uh, heart of their schedule in Big Ten Conference play. Um, after a bye week and week six, the Gophers will return at home against uh, Nebraska. Scott Frost, uh, and the Nebraska head coach, he's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons this offseason. Um, he obviously came in looking to revitalize their program, and he struggled to do that. Um, heading into this year, the Nebraska strength will be their defense. They return 9 of 11 starters and 8 of the top 9 tacklers from a season ago. Um, so they will have a, one of the top defenses in the conference. But kind of like last season, it'll all be on the hands of junior quarterback Adrian Martinez. If he takes a step forward uh, and is that elite option in the conference, Nebraska will be a much better football team than last year. I don't know how good they will be, but they brought in a USC transfer running back Marquise Stepp and former FCS All-American uh, wide receiver from Montana, um, Samori Toure. Um, so after the Gophers won 24-17 uh, last season, there's no reason why they can't uh, find the same success this year. Um, Nebraska will need a much improved Martinez if they want any chance of turning into a good football team this year. Plain and honest. It's really 100% on the hands of their quarterback. If he struggles, it's going to be the same team we saw last year. If he's better, they're going to be a little better of a team. Plain and simple. So, um, again, this is a uh, a game that will – it's a good test again for the Gophers. Um, I personally believe having them at home, uh, they'll be favored to win most likely. But – this is a game they should win if they want to have a successful season. These are the type of games that good football teams win. Plain and simple. Um, in week eight, the Gophers will be hosting Maryland, who uh, last season finished two and three. But they had, if Purdue was one of the uh, most exciting games for the Gophers, I think Halloween night against Maryland was probably one of the most wild uh, football games that I've seen in a long time. Uh, Talia uh, Tungavailoa broke out for over 400 yards of offense and five touchdowns, and their uh, running back, Jake Funk, who's now thankfully on the Los Angeles Rams, just had under 250 yards from scrimmage and one touchdown. And that was the game that uh, Mo uh, had over 41 carries for just over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Kind of in his uh, homecoming back to Maryland, uh, Baltimore kid, obviously. Um, so heading into this game, I feel like Maryland is one of the more underrated teams in the Big Ten. Um, I personally would rank them ahead of Purdue and ahead of Nebraska. Um, they still have Talia Tungavailoa, who has proven to be a talented quarterback who can handle the offense. Um Mike Loxley obviously has uh, bounced around from different college programs as a head coach, but he has at least proven to have the uh, skill level as a coach to feel together a competent program. Um, so the Maryland still is going to have a talented wide receiver core as former five-star, uh, now sophomore, Rakeem Jarrett will be in the line. I, I think he could have a breakout year and be one of the top uh, wide receivers in this conference, kind of similar to uh, Rondell Moore. They, they're very different players. Rakeem Jarrett's a big body wide receiver who's going to go up on the outside, and obviously Rondell Moore was kind of more of the gadget slot player. Um, but the Terrapins returned 95% of its receiving yards from last season. And, but only 31% of the rushing production. So I feel like this is going to be a, a very pass-heavy team this year and because the offensive line is uh, lacks depth, and they lost a lot of their production from last year. Um, but again, 
a team that Minnesota should not overlook, but this is the game that good football. T- this is a game that good football teams win. I personally think Maryland's underrated, and probably another eleven o'clock kickoff. So it'll be a, a screams trap game to me. But again, this is the game that good teams win. It's kind of a theme with all these games that I've went through. But uh, you got to to elevate yourself past the middle of the conference, where I kind of. Th- uh, see where that's the Gophers' floor this season. You have to beat up on the bottom feeders and the middle of the conference. Plain and simple. I know it sounds pretty obvious, but that's just what has to happen. This is a game that the Gophers need to win if they want to consider themselves one of the best teams in the Big Ten. I think Maryland will give them a tough game, but they need to win. It. The Gophers need to win if they want to be competing for a Big Ten championship. Plain and simple. Um, then in week nine, the Gophers traveled to Evanston, Illinois, to take on Northwestern in uh, a game the day before Halloween on October 30th. Uh, Northwestern's in a very interesting spot because last year they had a terrific season, uh, finished 7-2, and two, uh, gave Ohio State a run for their money in the first half of the Big Ten Championship, and they ended up winning the Citrus Bowl against an SEC team in Auburn much like the Gophers did in 2019 in the Outback Bowl, but that's besides the point. Um, Pat Fitzgerald has proven to be one of the best coaches in the conference, and I think this is going to be one of his uh, toughest jobs in a while to turn around this team. Uh, The Wildcats only returned two offensive starters and only four defensive starters from a season ago. Um, Quarterback Peyton Ramsey is off to the pros, while Rashawn Slater... And Greg Newsom, the second, were both drafted in the first round of last April's uh, NFL draft. Um, the quarterback position uh, this year, uh, Northwestern has two high-level uh, transfers with former four-star Clemson quarterback Hunter Johnson, who was on the team last year but got beat out by Peyton Ramsey, and former four-star South Carolina quarterback uh, Ryan Helinski. I believe they've already said that Hunter Johnson has a leg up. I don't know if they've officially named him the starter, but I believe they uh, they expect him to at least be the starter week one. Um, so as for the defensive side of the ball, uh, the, the Northwestern lost Patty Fisher, one of the mainstays in their defense for so many years from the linebacker position. Um, so as a whole, it's going to be really interesting because Northwestern – the last few years, they've proven to be a consistent team and not a rollover from the 10 years before. And they're not as fortunate as programs like Ohio State or Michigan to reload every season. So l- losing 16 starters can be very significant. So I think they're one of the more interesting teams to follow heading into this year if they're going to be competitive in the conference or if they're going to uh, kind of fall back right into where Northwestern was. I think this is a big step for their program. If they want to be a consistent year-in and year-out power in the Big Ten, or if they're just going to be a team that every two or three years flashes uh, up to the Big Ten championship, and then they flash back down to a 3-4 win season. So as for this game against the Gophers, on paper it seems like they should win this game because – the Gophers are one of the more experienced teams in the entire country, and Northwestern's going to be one of the more inexperienced teams in the entire country. So it'll be a very interesting matchup uh, for the Gophers midseason. All right, in Week 10, the Gophers then host um, Illinois, and Brett Bielema's first season back in the Big Ten. He will be at the helm of the Fighting Illini, and uh the former Wisconsin and Arkansas head coach will be taking over an Illinois team that went 2-6 and six a season ago. Um, they do have a solid amount of production returning, 15 total starters. But sometimes when you see that number, it's not always helpful, especially when those starters weren't good a season ago. Um, longtime starting QB Brandon Peters is back for another season. Um, but I, I, I don't know... I feel like we've already seen the ceiling of him. So I, I could see uh, him losing his starting role pretty early in the season, maybe even in week one. I don't even know if he's going to start uh, 
at all this season. But so his uh, long time, or not long time, but his top receiver, ja- Josh Amater Bebe, is now on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, maybe. I don't know if he got cut yet. But um, I remember watching Illinois last year, and that, in the passing game at least, Peters relied way too much on Amater Bebe, and it seemed like he was the only receiver on the team. Um, so. And they also lost uh, Kendrick Green, uh, top offensive lineman, to the Steelers in the NFL draft. So heading into this year, they'll have an above-average offensive line um, for running backs Chase Brown and Mike Epstein. But uh, they're still Illinois, and they weren't very good last year. So uh, this is kind of, is Brett Bielema going to be able to have a quick turnaround with players he did not recruit? Or... Uh, is it going to take him a while to turn around this program? I don't know how long it will take him, but uh, after giving up 34.9 points per, per game last season in 2020, there's a lot of uh, room to improve for this team. Um, I believe that Illinois, on paper, is probably the worst team in the Big Ten, but obviously Brett Bielema has been trouble for the Gophers. So this will be an interesting matchup again. A game that Minnesota obviously should win, but I guess we'll see November 6th. In week 11, um, the Gophers will be traveling to Iowa City to take on Iowa for the Floyd of Rosedale. Um, Iowa's an interesting team this year. Last year they went 6-2. and two. Their bowl game got canceled due to COVID. And many people are super high on them heading into this year. And personally, even... Like most Gophers fans, I hate Iowa, but as an unbiased fan, I honestly don't see what all the national hype is about. I feel like this is kind of just the average Iowa team. They're going to get six, seven, eight wins. They're going to go to a not a terrible bowl game, a somewhat good bowl game. It's just everyone is kind of penciling their quarterback, Spencer Petros, to have a, a great uh, season and as a junior this year, and I, I don't really see it. Uh, last year, he, he kind of got better as the season went on, but his 57.1 completion percentage and 9-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio was very, I guess, uninspiring. And his top target, Amir Smith-Marset, uh, was on the Vikings roster in the NFL. So I just don't really see how Petros is going to take that next step because – the best version of Iowa we've seen the last year, the last few uh, seasons, is with Nate Stanley, who made a big, uh, not a big jump, but he was a, a good Big Ten quarterback, and he was able to help Iowa win those close games against teams that they're supposed to beat. So, like a, kind of the theme of the show, I, I believe that quarterback play is a huge, huge impact on a team's success in college football. And I just don't believe in Spencer Petras. So, obviously, at Iowa City, in a rivalry game, this is going to be a big game for the Gophers. But going into this game, no matter what, how the season led up to Week 11, if the Gophers are even 5-5, five and five, if they're 8-2, and two, this is a game that, or they had a bye week, so whatever, 7-2. and two. But uh, this is a game that I think the Gophers should win. I think Iowa is a bit overrated, to be honest. So I could eat my words uh, on November 13th, but I expect the Gophers to win this game. And then as the hard part of Minnesota's schedule continues, they travel to uh, Bloomington, Indiana, to take on the Hoosiers uh, Week 12. Indiana was one of the best stories in college football uh, last season, going 6-2, and two, then they came up short in the Outback Bowl against Ole Miss. Uh, their head coach, Tom Allen, uh, he was big in the news. Everyone was talking about him. And uh, their starting quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., unfortunately tore his ACL. Uh, I believe it was in the Ohio State game or after the Ohio State game. I could be wrong. But um looks like he'll be able to return for week one this year. So, they will still have a lot of talent from last year. Uh, he will be without one of his top receivers, Wap Fillier. Um, 
and running back Stevie Scott III, who are both opt to the NFL. But Ty Freifogel will be back, and I think he has the skill to be a number one receiver. And kind of like Nebraska, they brought, and even the Gophers, they brought in reinforcements uh, in the form of transfers with former four-star Florida State wide receiver DJ Matthews and Texas A&M transfer wide receiver Cameron Buckley. They even added former five-star USC running back Stephen Carr. So uh, a lot of people think that Indiana's overrated and they're going to have kind of a season back to where we know Indiana football to be. But I believe Indiana is the second best team in the Big Ten Conference. They Obviously, Tom Allen has shown to be a great head coach. They're returning their quarterback. Like I said, I, I believe in quarterback play to be very impactful in a team's success. And they uh, they lost their top running back and receiver, but they brought in talented players to replace him. So I believe this is going to be a really tough game for the Gophers. Coming out off a emotional game against Iowa, if they win or not, traveling to uh, Bloomington, this is going to be the toughest stretch of the Gophers' schedule. Both back-to-back road games in Iowa City and Bloomington, this will be what determines if the Gophers are a good team or a great team in 2021. And then back where it belongs, the Gophers will be hosting the Wisconsin Badgers in Week 13, last week of the regular season. Um, Wisconsin's another team that's getting a lot of love nationally, and I think their season rides on their quarterback play. Uh, Graham Mertz came out firing against Illinois last season as a redshirt freshman, but again, that's Illinois. And after that, he looked very, very below average. And their offense struggled as a whole um, with without Jonathan Taylor. Um, I feel like they're kind of banking on now redshirt freshman running back Jalen Berger to be that Wisconsin running back we know, like the Melvin Gordon, like the Jonathan Taylor, like the Monty Ball. But he showed flashes last season, averaging five yards a carry. And I feel like when they saw that their season wasn't going as they wanted, uh, they only uh, they didn't play more than four games, how the new rule is. If you play four or less games, uh, the you can redshirt that season. Um, so I feel like it's a little premature to bank uh, Wisconsin on having this explosive running back with only 60 career carries. And although they have made that look easy year year over year with their uh, big offensive line, they're going to have another great offensive line. But it's just you need to score points to win games. They're going to have a great defense, great offensive line. It's just riding on Graham Mertz and Jalen Berger. And I feel like everyone's banking on two guys that haven't shown it. Uh, they're banking on two guys that have not proven to be high-level Big Ten players yet. They certainly have the talent to be, but I don't know if they will be. So uh, this is definitely not a game that the Gophers should not be uh, saying, oh, we're coming in in the huge underdogs. Listen, we got them at home. It's last game of the year. Hopefully we're going to uh, be in, the, in contention for a Big Ten West title again. But... I see no reason why the Gophers can't win this game. It's going to be a tough game, um, but there's no reason why they can't be competitive in this game. There's not a huge talent gap. Uh, we've obviously proven to be able to beat them in recent years. Uh, last year, they stunk, plain and simple. Uh, we were having a really down year as the Gophers, and we played with them last game of the year, and we were like 14-point underdogs. Or It wasn't last game of the year, but whatever. Um, so this will be an interesting game, obviously. Last game of the year. Um, as for now, I, I think the Gophers are going to win. Um, I, I, I obviously hope the Gophers are going to win. This will be, I think Wisconsin's better than Iowa, but they're worse than Indiana. I think they're the third best team in the Big Ten on paper. So I, it'll be interesting. I, I don't I don't know how it's going to happen, but there's no reason why the Gophers cannot be competitive for Paul Bunyan's axe. All right, kind of to wrap up the whole uh, schedule preview, um, looking at the whole year, I believe that uh, the Gophers' floor is kind of um, eight wins, to be honest. Um, I think 
they're going to beat one of, at least, they're going to beat at least one of Iowa or Wisconsin. Uh, I have a markdown as losses to Indiana and Ohio State, but there's no reason why they can't squeak out one of those wins. Um, So then that's three losses right there. And then I, I talked about a lot of the, uh, the Purdue's, the Maryland's, and the Northwestern's kind of being trap games. Um, Maybe even Nebraska, too. I don't know if I'll give them that much credit. But uh, So then I let's say they lose one of those. So right there, that's eight wins, eight and four. So I feel like that's kind of their floor. I can't see them losing more games like that. Obviously, I'm being a little optimistic here, but I personally think that's the floor of this team. They have the they have the skill, they have the talent. Now they have the experience to be a good Big Ten football team. Um, it there's no reason why they can't uh, squeak out a win against Indiana, against Wisconsin and have uh, one loss and play in the Big Ten West title. But also, I wouldn't be shocked if they go 8-4. and four. Um, It's a very interesting outlook to the season. Obviously, they have no Michigan. They have no Michigan State. have no Penn State. It's an interesting schedule. Um, should be a very, very interesting season start to finish. So I did say that I would uh, talk about some breakout candidates, but I, I went a little longer than I thought I was going to on the schedule. Um, so we'll save that for next week. Next week's episode, as we also uh, break down um, the matchup with Ohio State more in depth. What I expect to see, what needs to happen. Um, so throughout the season, as we get more into the swing of things, you can expect a recap episode of the previous week's games on Monday, uh, Tuesday, early in the week in that range, and then you can expect a preview episode of that week's games on the uh, uh, Thursday-Friday range. And you can expect more guests early in the season, uh, throughout the season. Uh, I can't see how many more of these episodes I'm going to do solo, um, but we'll close out the show with what I've heard on uh, Chris Ottman-Bell's injury in the recent weeks. That's obviously been a huge topic. Um, According to a recent interview with K-Fans JG, uh, PJ Flex said that Ottman Bell is considered week-to-week following his leg injury, and Flex said the injury was not a long-term issue, and those concerned can take a deep breath. And I've also heard things that people think that he's a long shot to play against Ohio State. I've heard people say that they think he is going to play against Ohio State. So uh, this is me, just based on the things I've said, I've not heard this. But I could uh, expect a situation where he, uh, where Chris Ottman Bell continues to improve because we obviously have uh, just under two weeks until the Ohio State game, uh, where he continues to uh, rehab and improve, and where he, uh, I think he's going to be a game time decision if I had to guess now. So and. Uh, at that point, game time decision, night game against Ohio State, week one. I can't see a situation where he plays. From what I have heard uh, and listened to Chris Oppenbell in interviews and press conferences, his personality seems like a guy who's going to play. I don't know how serious the injury is. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't know exactly what he did specifically. Um, but based on the information I know, I bet Chris Ottman-Bell plays week one. So you can take that for what you want. I'm not an expert on his injury, but that's what I believe. Um, So I guess that's all I got today for uh, today's show. Um, You can expect another episode, probably one for next week. And then after the Ohio State games, you can expect expect two a week throughout the season. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, This is obviously my first show. I think I'll get better as the season goes on. Um, Row the boat, uh, Sky Uma, and go Gophers.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.